0: By a show of hands, how many of you in the room have a teenager? At least one teenager. Okay, I've got a few back there. And keep your hands up. And how many of you are an aunt or a grandmother or an extended family member with a teenager? Okay, good. Keep your hands up. And how many of you come into contact regularly with a teenager who may be a neighbor, a friend's child? Okay, great. Somebody on the job? Good. Very good. Okay. Put your hands down. Thank you. So now I know that, you know, I wasn't crazy when the Lord was speaking to me and that I have the right message. I'm in the right room with the right people. So good. So this month, our theme is individuality. And I want you to keep that person in mind, that young person that you just thought about. And as, as we look at honoring the individuality in your children, I'm blessed to be the mom of two wonderful teenagers. And I couldn't get it together with the PowerPoint because I just kind of don't really roll like that. It was supposed to have a lovely picture of the daughter and a lovely picture of the son. Um, so just imagine two cute kids. <laughs> My daughter, Kinshasa, is 19 and is currently a sophomore at the University of Tampa. My son, Joseph, is 15, and he's in 10th grade at Calvary Christian Academy. They both attended Bethany Christian School for about a total of nine years, and when it comes to their individuality, both are definitely in various stages of discovering their unique, God-given gifts and abilities. So a few of the, these qualities and abilities that my children have that make them unique, my daughter likes to take the initiative. She's a perfectionist, very detailed, creative, visually artistic, and organized, which has helped her with her academics over the years. My son is very patient, kind, appreciative. He always has a great attitude and knows how to make others feel good by saying just the right thing. He's very cool-headed, and he's a technology geek. And speaking of the Fruit of the Spirit Awards, Sarah, that she mentioned earlier, my son, when he was here at Bethany, he got the award for gentleness, and then when he went to Calvary, he also got the award for gentleness. So our verse today, our theme verse, 1 Timothy 4.12, don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in what you say and how you live. And then when I looked at some other translations, King James and some other ones, it kind of broke down the live part, which I was very happy for because, you know, we have to break things down sometimes. God, when we look at God's word, it speaks to us, but it's like, what does that really mean? And we don't want to mess things up. So it says in the other translations, but set an example for the believers in what you say and how you live in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So that got me to thinking about the ways we can help to honor and shape the individuality of all of our, our children but I focused particularly on teens. As I looked into what God's word had to say, I started by reading first and second Timothy. And moms, I recommend that you do the same. It was eye-opening. Although I had studied Timothy a few years ago, I felt as if I was reading these passages for the first time. I guess because of the stage of life that I'm in right now, a mom to two teens, it took on a whole new meaning. So even if you've already read it, read it again, and also read it with your kids. It's so amazing to me how God's word comes alive and will meet you where you are at your stage of life. So a little background on Timothy. Timothy is a prime example of a young man who was influenced by godly relatives and other believers. He became a preacher not because he had heard a powerful sermon, but because his mother and grandmother had taught him the scriptures when he was young. Timothy became a protege of the apostle Paul and pastor of the church at Ephesus. As a young minister, Timothy faced all sorts of pressures, conflicts, and challenges from the church and surrounding cultures. The books of 1 Timothy are two personal letters written by Paul while he was in jail, dealing with great persecution and facing death. Paul was a dedicated mentor. He took the time to remind Timothy of what was truly important and encouraged him in the faith. Moms, teaching our children is both an opportunity and our responsibility. Let's be like Eunice, his mother, and Lois, his grandmother, and the Apostle Paul, and do our part in leading a young person to find their identity in Christ. So I'd like to share a few of the verses that really spoke to me about guiding teenagers. And some of them are in the magazine. You can follow along with me, and some of them are not. 1 Timothy 4, 14 and 15. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Just like Timothy, all of us and our children are blessed with special gifts. Paul encouraged Timothy to use them. As an athlete who doesn't train well, we can lose our spiritual gifts if we don't put them to work. Help a team to identify and hone their God-given gifts and abilities. Encourage them to use it to serve God and those around them. 2 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, get rid of that, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Timothy seemed to struggle with a naturally timid character and a sensitivity to his youthfulness. Unfortunately, many who share his character traits are quickly written off as too great a risk to deserve certain responsibilities. Sometimes as parents, we've already made up in our minds that our children can and cannot do something based on our way of thinking or by what we see. I know I'm guilty of putting limitations on my children because I don't always see the big picture, but thankfully we serve a big God who has great plans for us, greater than we can imagine or dream for ourselves and for our children. Paul saw great potential in Timothy. He showed this to him by the huge responsibilities that he gave Timothy, and he wasn't even successful all the time, but Paul did not give up on him. If there's a teen in your life whose parents have given up or are struggling with their teenager, come alongside them with encouraging words as Paul did. Moving on to 2 Timothy 2, 20 and 21. This verse took a bit for me to kind of get it in my head, but then after it, I could visualize and it came alive, then it really spoke to me. So it says, in a large house, there are articles, not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some are for special purposes and some for common use. And I thought about the things that I have in my house, like, you know, the the special fine china that we hardly use and the things that I use every day. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter, the common use stuff, will be instruments for special purposes made holy useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Paul encourages Timothy to be the kind of person Christ could use for his highest and most noble purposes. Encourage a team not to settle for less than God's highest and best. Encourage them to allow him to use them as an instrument of his will. You do this by staying close to him and keeping yourself pure so that sin and its consequences Do not get in the way of what God is doing in your life. While God can redeem any situation, how much better is it to stay close to Christ and be ready to be used by him at a moment's notice? Encourage them to use the Bible to guide their conduct. We all need to study God's word so that we will know how to do his work out in the world. Our knowledge of God's word is not useful unless it strengthens our faith and leads us to do good. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 5, it says, But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Immaturity can cause a teenager to lose their cool or react too quickly. Keeping a clear mind in tense situations makes you morally alert to temptation, resistant to pressure, and vigilant when facing heavy responsibility. Like many teenagers, and like Timothy, they lack confidence. Paul may have been telling Timothy that the Lord has called him to preach and would give him the courage to continue to do so. Remember, God always gives us the strength to do what he has commanded. This truth may not be evident, however, until they step out in faith and actually begin doing the hard work that they are called to do. So throughout First and Second Timothy, Paul modeled six important principles to help us encourage others. I'm just going to quickly go through them. One, begin with encouragement, approaching others with an encouraging attitude makes them want to cooperate with us. Two, expect of others only what you expect of yourself. Three, develop expectations of others with consideration of their skills, maturity, and experience. People will reject to fail or meet expectations that do not fit them. As Christians, we must be patient with those who do things differently from us. Four, monitor your expectations of others. Circumstances sometimes require revise or reduce expectations on our part, and we definitely know that as moms. Five, clarify your expectations. You can't expect someone to hit a target that has not been clearly identified. Six, end with encouragement. Everyone loves to be thanked for their efforts, even if the task isn't done perfectly or according to our expectations. And so another, moving on from Timothy, another source that helped me to learn more about honoring the individuality of my teenagers was the book, The Five Love Languages. Many of us are familiar with that book by noted pastor and Christian counselor, Gary Chapman. He also has two other very helpful books, The Five Love Languages of Teenagers and The Five Love Languages of Kids. In his books, Chapman states that we have five primary love languages. There are five primary love languages. They are words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time, gifts, and acts of service. And if you look at the back of your magazine, on your bookmark, it's back here. So make sure you cut it out like Miss Vicky showed you last month, okay? And it lists a few tips with teens in the five love languages. And although you may have discovered your child's love language when they were young, we can't continue to love them the same way we did when they were a preschooler or in elementary school. The teen is simply just not a child anymore. They are an adult in transition, which I have definitely learned with a college student. There comes a time when parents may feel like the teen's love language has changed because they no longer respond in the loving manner in which we are accustomed to seeing them respond. According to Chapman, the teen's love language has not changed, but there are three possible reasons for their behavior. One, Hormonal changes, which cause fluctuating moods, their thoughts and desires, emerging independence, and developing their self-identity. Teens may even draw back, not just from their primary love language, but from all expressions of love. Two, when a person is receiving enough of his primary love language, the secondary love language becomes more important. And three, another reason why we're seeing a difference in them. It's possible that the parents may have originally misread the child's love language, which is common because parents tend to see their children through their own eyes rather than the child's eyes. It is easy to think that because our language is physical touch, that that will be true of our child. And moms, I also want you to know, take note for yourself, a mom or a parent with an empty love tank will also exhibit unhealthy behaviors that will affect their teenager. Today's teens have some of the same struggles that Paul refers to in First and 2 Timothy, such as their search for independence, to establish self-identity, and personal morality. But today's teens are also concerned with logical thinking, understanding sexuality, issues of dating and marriage, questions about their future, And then there are the struggles of our modern day culture, including vulnerability to the exposure of technology. That's an issue we've had to deal with in our home. Violence and immorality. Teens need to receive love from all the five love languages. The primary love language of the teen will speak more deeply and will more quickly fill their emotional love tank. Our most basic need feeling loved. The fundamental need of the teenager is to feel emotional love from the significant adults in their life. So ladies, my challenge to you, let's be like Paul and spend a little time pouring into the life of another. Find a Timothy, or the female version, or a young leader who is under your influence, even if it's only in some small way, that teen that you thought of earlier. It could be someone whose family has given up on them, or who has lost their hope. Imagine the joy Timothy must have felt each time he received an encouraging letter from his mentor. A handwritten letter is a personal and tangible gift, which can be read repeatedly, particularly during difficult times. Remind them how God sees them, fearfully and wonderfully made, with unique abilities talents, and qualities. In this social media hashtag world, it may be the only personal letter that they will ever receive. And as I close, I just wanted to share a few other resources that have, I've seen help my um, kids over the years. And they are there's a book called Do Hard Things, A Teen Rebellion Against Low Expectations. The book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Teenagers. supposed to be a slide. And um, The Five Love Languages of Teenagers. And recently we saw the movie God's Not Dead, which they really enjoyed very much, and we had a lot of good conversation about it after. And I would like to just do a book giveaway to the person in the room who has the most teenagers, meaning either a mom or a grandmother. So... Anyone with grand, grandmother or mom who has five or more teenagers in their family? Raise your hand. Four? Three? Anyone with two teenagers? Okay, someone back there. Okay, you can get this later. This is yours. Thank you, ladies.